1: So it's, uh, all for play for, still. I think so. Do you want to bet against us? Hi villains and welcome to For the Love of Paul McGrath podcast. Back again with a little podcast here on somebody that we've been linked to today in both the Birmingham Mail and in Portuguese publication in Maia's Football. And that is Octavio, Portuguese and Porto. Um, all-round midfield player is what I'm actually going to call him. And um, Before we get into it, as I say, this has been linked in the Birmingham Mail. I don't know any more on this. Um, And it has also came from a Portuguese publication. But what has been reported so far is that Aston Villa have reportedly presented a 30 million euro or 26 million pound offer for Porto's Otevio. Otevio is 27. He's usually a right sided midfielder, but is capable of operating within an attacking role through the center of the pitch or on the left wing. Across 32 appearances last season for Porto, he recorded three goals and nine assists. The Sergio Conte's side won the Premier League for the third time in six years. According to public, Portuguese news outlet, Mais Football, Villa presented a an initial offer of €30 million euros for Octavio, which was immediately rejected by the club. But Porto reportedly reminded Steven Gerrard's side of the release clause inserted in the player's contract, which normally would be €60 million, euros, but has been lowered to €40 million euros until July the 15th due to a clause in his current deal. So for me, I suppose... Uh, That gives us a little bit of a deadline to know whether this is actually going to become concrete or not. I think there's a big difference between 60 million and 40 million. I don't think the club goes to 60 million for many uh, players, uh, specifically for 27-year-old players coming from outside of this league. Uh, But 40 million might be within the club's wheelhouse. 40 million euros, that is, might be within the club's wheelhouse. And I think that it's important that uh, a date has been mentioned there, regards to July the 15th. Um, so that is the reporting that we have had so far. And that's why I'm doing this podcast. So Atévio himself, he is, and I have some slides here, which I'm just going to load. Um, and while they are loading, there we go. And um, so Atévio himself, he's five foot eight, he's right footed, and he's a Brazilian born. Portuguese international now immediately straight away when we look at his height is kind of a concern for me because I am somebody that wants a small bit of heft and a small bit of height within midfield. But I do think that this helps to paint a picture of somebody that is, um, somebody within uh somebody or the type of player should I say that Steven Gerrard might be looking to pair with the current midfielders that we have and I don't think that this would be that we would only have one shot at a midfield player I think we're going to heavily invest in the midfield area and he may not be the only person that comes through the doors in conjunction uh, along with um Bubakar Kamara as well so um what we have I suppose what we can see here with with, with Octavio we'll take a look at his numbers in a moment I mentioned that he is predominantly a wide player and we can see there that he's played 135 times for uh, or 135 times in the wide position but he has also played in centrally a small bit more and I think his statistics bear out that when we look at it in a moment that he may be a more central option for Steven Gerrard's Aston Villa while obviously having the ability to move outside and what he does on the the field allows me to think that he's transversed position inside a small bit more within the premier league would be a fruitful one indeed and we will get on to that in a moment but before we do that let's look a small bit at his career so far started off his career as a 17 year old with Internacional in brazil where he played 55 games scoring six goals started off as i say as a 17 year old he got his break he played seven games that season next season he was entrusted with 26 games and he scored all his six goals in that uh, season, sorry, he was actually entrusted with 33 games, and he played. He scored six goals for Internacional. Then that gave him his big break, and he moved to Porto. Moved to Porto in 2014, where he played with their B team. Was loaned out to Vitória de Guimarães for a two two season uh, loan. Well, it seems like an 18 month loan to be honest with you. Where he played 35 games, scoring seven goals, and that really put him on Porto's map because he was playing in the Premier Division of. Uh, of the Portuguese league. And when he came back, he was inserted into the Portuguese team in 2016. And since then, he's gone on to play 237 games, scoring 24 goals across his Porto career. And that's in all competitions as well, which, um, you know, he was entrusted at, at, at getting into that, that Porto team as a 21, 22 year old. And, uh, he hasn't really relinquished his position there that much. um, so as I say, he plays under Sergio Conceição's uh, Portuguese team. They have been all conquering, I suppose, really within within Portugal at the moment. Um, Over the last couple of years, as they said there, he's won it for the third time in the last six seasons. He is uh, tasked with doing an awful lot of work around the field. And let's take a look at those statistics in a moment. Before we do, I mentioned that he recently broke into the Portuguese team. That was in 2022, 2021, where where he played two games scoring one goal. That goal was against Qatar in a friendly in September the 4th, 2021. He then went on to score his second goal, and that was in 2022 against Turkey. In the uh, World Cup qualification um, series, whereby he did help Portuguese to quali- or the Portuguese team to qualify for uh, the World Cup. And he's gone on to play five games, scoring one goal in the 2022 season. So in total, he's played seven times for Portugal, scoring two goals since he made his debut in 2021. So let's take a little look at some of his statistics here. And the reason I've put him in against a John McGinn, a Douglas Louise, and a Jacob Ramsey for this moment in time is I think that he would be utilized as a number eight slash number 10 within this team with obviously the ability to go wide and to play wide. And I'll explain why I think that in a moment. Also, some of his numbers here are very tantamount and very similar to like to the likes of an Oxlade Chamberlain. So I think that we're beginning to get a view of maybe the, a bit more creativity is needed in midfield. And Steven Gerrard wants a bit more of a metronomic passing type player or pair, a player that can uh, create uh, c- can create chances through midfield or maybe pass the ball forward while doing a lot of the defensive donkey work as well. If we look at what Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain was, and we all know what he is now and what he has been over his career, apart from injured, he's been somebody who could play left, he could play right, he could play central. This guy is somebody who can play left, right and central um, and and we can, as I say, he hasn't proven that he's able to do it in the Premier League. But I wonder, is there a thought process here in moving him in? I'm not going to claim I know everything about this guy. I certainly don't. I haven't done a lot of film study, if any, on him really at this moment in time. I will be back and do more on this guy as the links become more concrete. And also, I'm going to add in some some um, statistical work on how he compares to Bundia and Coutinho as well, should these concrete links become a a bit more concrete. At the moment, we're going on two sources, the Birmingham Mail and uh, Mass Football within within Portugal. And uh, that's why we're doing the podcast today, based on those reports. So looking at how he stacks up between the guys that we have already, you can see his tackles are right up there with a John McGinn 3.03. It's exactly the same as the amount of tackles that John McGinn puts in in a 90 minute spell. And that's good coming from somebody who is who has been played wide and at times only converts into a central midfielder from time to time for this, Port- this Porto team. His pressures far outnumber and dwarf anybody within uh within the the Ast- within the Aston Villa team at the moment. He is up there. Even his pressures for if you were to put him in central midfield or even being as a wide player, his pressures are right up there. They're up there with Conrad Leimer, who is one of the best pressure pressure success rate for a central midfielder in Europe last season. I think he actually has the highest pressure success rate or pressure numbers, should I say, for um, for any central midfielder in Europe last season, and this guy is playing out in the wing, so it shows that he doesn't shirk, shirk his defensive responsibilities, and he also knows that the ball goes two ways. It goes backwards towards our own goal, as opposed to for, as as well as forwards towards the opposition's goal. And when we see those pressures, those pr- that pressure rate, his pressure success rate is thirty one point seven percent, which puts him probably in the middle of the pack of all midfielders within Europe. But if you think about it, if he's winning 31.7% of his pressures and he's pressuring 29 times, let's call it, per game, that's almost 10, 10 successful pressures for, per game. And there aren't an awful lot of midfielders that are having that type of success rate when they're pressure in, in the central midfield position. Now, where his height lets him down, I think, is in the interception area. He's only intercepting 0.76 per game, which isn't an awful lot. And also, when we look at, but it still actually, it still relates favorably towards what Jacob Ramsey and uh, John McGinn offer us in open play over 90 minutes with regards to their interception rate. Now, Douglas Louise is far higher than that as well, playing in that number six position too. Passing attempts, passing completion rate are very, very middle of the road. You know, when you look at those the attempts and the passing completion rate, his his attempts put him up there with Douglas Louise Louise in with regards to work rate in that area, but his passing completion rate puts him right in the middle of the pack, above John McGinn and below Douglas Louise and and uh, and Jacob Ramsey. And his passing completion rate is seventy six point four percent. I would like to see that a small a little bit higher. And um, but where he really makes his money is his progressive pass. Passes, So he's passing the ball forward quite a lot. His progressive pass distance is very, very good at almost 250 yards per 90 minutes. And where he really makes his money and he just dwarfs our current crop of midfielders is when we look at shot creating actions. He comes in at 5.17 shot creating actions per 90 minutes. And the next closest to him is John McGinn, who comes in in and around just underneath three shot creating action so that's a huge difference it's an absolute huge difference and i'm sure this is one of the reasons why his creativity i want to see how he looks up against a bundia or a coutinho but for the time being i think it's important to see how he would fare up against the number eight and should these these things get a bit more concrete we will look further into that
0: i'm alex rodriguez and i'm jason kelly from bloomberg this is the deal
1: his possession statistics at 58.99 touches is quite quite good up there with Douglas Luiz uh, dribble completion rate successful dribbles are so so i don't i think his successful dribbles showed it you know he's while he is a wide player he's more effort than he is um than then than he is a uh, kind of that skill and flair player now he does carry the ball forward but his successful dribble rate is only coming in at 45% so it's something that um, I think that probably alludes to him maybe moving into, into the center a small bit more because he's a lot more creative with the ball at his feet as opposed to running with the ball. Saying that, he does carry the ball progressively forward quite, quite a lot of times, 3.66 per game, but he doesn't carry it for a very long distance, um, if that makes sense. So he only carries it for 81.05 yards per game as well. So let's take a look at him individually against some of our incumbents in the center of midfield. Uh, His defensive statistics were one that blew me away considering that Douglas Louise played as a number six for us for a lot of last season he dwarfs Douglas Louise in tackles per 90 minutes he's better he's had more pressures than Douglas Louise and he's had a better pressure success rate than Douglas Louise over the course of 90 minutes and that's Douglas Louise playing in the central midfield position with this guy playing predominantly out wide now where he does fall down and Douglas Louise is quite good as at intercepting the ball and Douglas Louise commits less fouls than him that's something I didn't mention about Otavio is a lot of his fouls are committed because of his overzealous pressure rate. You know, he's pressuring people. Uh, it's obviously an unsuccessful pressure if you give away a foul. And I think he's just one of these terrier-like, nibbly-type players that nibbles at people's feet, gives away those fouls in and around the middle of the park and up high up the field and um, almost slows down the play more so than anything else, which might be something Aston Villa might need. Might be something Aston Villa might need, that little bit of a niggle inside midfield as opposed to somebody who'll run through you like a train, although I would prefer to have both on my team uh, if it was possible. When we look at the passing statistics, Douglas Luiz was used as our pivot player, so he has more pass attempts and he has a higher pass completion rate than Octavio. But Otavio's progressive passes, his progressive pass distance and the amount of shock creating actions he affects towards within the game is a lot higher. And then when we look at his possession stats, Otavio is better at, at dribbling, his better dribble success rate. He's completed more dribbles, he's carried the ball forward uh, an awful lot more. And that is something that you would expect uh, from Otavio. Um, although Douglas Luiz did have quite high numbers of those um, for a number six within the Premier League last season. So let's see how he tallies up with John McGinn. And I think some of the things he does mimic John McGinn in an awful lot of, of, of senses. So when we look at tackles, he has the exact same tackle per 90 minute rate as John McGinn. 3.03 3.03 tackles per 90 minutes, which shows that these guys are very effervescent players getting around the place. Now, he absolutely destroys John McGinn in the uh, in the pressure rate. I have mismarked the pressure success rate here. John McGinn does not have a better pressure success rate than Octavio. Atavio is a 31.7% pressure success rate and John McGinn is a 31.1%. That is an error on my behalf. Um, but when we look at interceptions and fouls committed, John McGinn comes in at a better rate than Otavio in those areas. Passing statistics, Otavio wins is more passing attempts, better pass completion rate, and has a better progressive pass rate than John McGinn. Looking at the progressive pass distance, John McGreen, McGinn does have a slightly better progressive pass distance mark than Otavio, but the shot-creating actions and goal-creating actions are heavily in Otavio's favor, probably based on the fact as well that he has played out wide and he has been able to affect the attacking game a small a bit more. So it's interesting to see the two players from those from those aspects. And lastly, we'll take a look at Jacob Ramsey. Otavio has a better defensive rating almost throughout uh, than uh, Jacob Ramsey until it comes to interceptions and fouls committed. Uh, just like it would have been the same with the other two players in midfield, so Atévio has, has tackled more, has a better, has had more pressures and a better pressure success rate than Jacob Ramsey. And when we get into the passing stats, it's where it really kind of opens my eyes towards Otavio and a Jacob Ramsey because he's had more pass attempts. He, While he does have a, a lesser pass completion rate, his progressive passes, progressive pass distance, shot creating actions and goal creating actions are far and above that of a Jacob Ramsey. And we know how much Jacob Ramsey affected the game already this season when he was able to get into the attacking positions. So if we've got somebody who statistically has a better rate of doing that that has to be a positive, and I'm not saying these are like for like. And when we replace the other, I think they could be complementary because when we look at our possession stats, Jacob Ramsey being our only ball carrier really within the field could be a massive plus point and a massive um, and a massive compliment towards somebody like Ottavio. So based on on the the minimal piece I've seen, this is new reporting. It's not something that that not somebody I had uh, earmarked. Um, Octavio would come in and would offer something different he would offer more attacking and in our midfield from the point of passing the ball and he would also offer that effervescence that uh, John McGinn aff- offers in the middle of midfield so for me he's, he, he tallies up most like a John McGinn when we look at the numbers and when we look at where he could play and I think that if he were to come to the Premier League he could uh, be a nice foil for our midfielders from that point of view my, my biggest negative for him is he's very very small you know, and I do want a small bit of, of height in there. And that's just from my my initial looks here. I would be interested to see what he looks like against a uh, Buendia or Coutinho. And that will be coming soon, should the links get any more concrete. But for the time being, I wanted to see what he looks like as a six in, uh, or sorry, as an eight in the middle of, of that midfield. So. That's Otavio, everybody. Portuguese uh, midfielder, utility midfielder, I suppose you could really call him, playing right across the line. Has some really, really good and exciting uh, statistics. I don't know whether this is true. I don't know whether it's going to happen, but he has been linked and it is important that we do look at all the players that we've been linked. So I hope you've enjoyed this. Please give us a thumbs up if you did. Please subscribe to the channel. Please like us. Any of the links that we have, we will go down through them as best we can. We will try and offer some insight. Should this become more concrete? I would love to look under the hood on this one a small bit more and uh, see where, where he could fit in. And maybe a signing like this could spell the end of somebody that we have on our team already it's always good to look at that maybe somebody could come in to to replicate the skill set of somebody else so it is important to see how people look against the current incumbents that we have so thanks very much everybody for watching thanks everybody for listening i do appreciate all the support and the help that you do give the podcast stay safe stay healthy and until next time all that's left to say is up the villa